Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you thought about the quality of the air you breathe in your home or in your office? If it's been a while, we're here to change that. This is Indoor Air Quality IQ, a podcast from Renew Air, where our goal is to raise your IQ about IAQ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of IAQ IQ, Indoor Air Quality and You. I'm Tyler Kern. Welcome to another episode of the show. This is the third and final installment of a series where we've been talking to Paul Raymer about ventilation, about home science, about what his work has been in terms of working in in, in building sciences, but also in writing novels and discussing um, what it means to have sick uh, sick build, building syndrome and so many more things. And so if you missed the first two episodes, you want to go back and check those out. They've been phenomenal discussions. Uh, so you don't want to miss our, our conversation about ventilation in the last episode, how to right size your ventilation system. And uh, we answered a lot of questions there. Today, we're talking about the cost of ventilation. And we're also talking about disability adjusted life years. Joining me as always on these episodes is Nick Agopian, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Renew Air. Nick, welcome to another episode. How are you doing? Fantastic. Looking forward to episode number three. I am as well. And we welcome back to the show once again, as I mentioned before, Paul Raymer. Paul, welcome to the third episode. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Well, thank you. Glad to be here, Tyler. Nick, too. Thank you. Yeah, this is this has been a, a lot of fun. Uh, we maybe gotten some Ashray hot water in episode two, but uh, but we'll put all that behind us because now this is episode three, uh, and we're excited to dive back in. But we wanted to start episode three off recapping a little bit of what we talked about in episode two, and one of the primary things that we discussed was um, Nick. You really did a good job of laying out how the way that we use our homes in a post-pandemic landscape has changed quite a bit as a result of how much we use uh, the home and not really giving it a chance to reset. Just give us a quick primer on, on that subject again, real quick to kick us off here in episode three and, uh, and tell us a little bit about why that resetting point that isn't happening is so important. That's a great uh, question, Tyler. Uh, we discussed in episode two, um, the criticality on how the home works. Uh, I had mentioned it's like a living entity in a way. Um, it's a biodome. It, it, it's something that's living. And, and we use a home based on um, uh, activity. And, and the activities pre-pandemic uh, were, were, let's use it in the morning heavily. Um, it stabilizes over uh, a, a five, six, seven hour period or up to a nine hour period. And then we use it heavily again. Uh, of course, on weekends, uh, when everybody's home uh, 24 hours a day per se, uh, we use it a lot more, but it's not expected to be used uh, throughout the week. So stabilizing a home becomes critical to allow the mechanical systems as they're designed um, to maintain the goal of good indoor air quality and assure we don't end up in that sick building syndrome situation. Uh, but because of the pandemic, um, what we found is that we're spending more time indoors. We know that uh, and we're spending more time indoors in our homes and, and that's fine. Um, but what's interesting as we move forward is uh, at least here at Renew Air and, and particularly my direct reports, um, what they found the pandemic has offered is a work-life balance that they didn't have before. And that work-life balance means for some people, I don't have to drive an hour in um, in the morning and drive an hour out in the, in the afternoon. So what does that mean? Um, they could spend, if you have, let's say, uh, two hours with your family in the morning, and now you have three hours with your family in the morning, 
Well, you just got 50% more time with your family. Conversely, at night, if you typically would have uh, left the office at around 5.30 and you get home at 6.30, assuming there's no adverse situation like a winter storm or whatever, you arrive at 6.30 and then you're with your family, you're you're having dinner with your family, maybe you're spending a little bit of time, then the kids go do homework at 9 o'clock and and then they go to bed at 10 o'clock. So from 6.30 to to nine o'clock is is your typical time with your family. Well, if you're able to do that at five thirty, once again you spent you have an extra almost fifty percent more time with your family. So this work life balance becomes extremely appealing to a lot of people. So the pandemic will end, and we're starting to see uh, infection rates go down. So I I, I kind of feel there's a, a light at the end of this tunnel here, uh, but people aren't going to go back to the old way. Uh, people are asking us uh, for some kind of a hybrid situation uh, where they, they can spend more time at home. And, and what we've learned is that many corporations have been able to operationalize with remote work settings. Uh, and we've been able to do that here at, at, at Renewware. So that means that the new requirements for home use has changed. And it has changed forever. And and what we're finding, because um, home costs are very expensive, especially in city centers, that more people want to live remote, which further compounds on the problem, and more people want to work at home remotely in these remote areas. So that being the case, we need to reevaluate how we design these homes for this new use paradigm uh, that we have living in our homes more than we have ever before. I think that's that's really well put and an important thing to understand just as we as we have these conversations. And, uh, you know, Paul, one of the things we wanted to discuss on this episode was DALIs, right? Uh, disability Adjusted Life Years. Explain to us that concept and give us a sense of, of what that means and, uh, and how we can kind of wrap our minds around that concept. Well, um, unfortunately... At some point, we all die. <laughs> <laughs> really bringing the atmosphere down here on the podcast, Paul. You know. um, but the key is that um, you're not – you want to live a healthy life right up until <laughs> the last moment, basically, right? And so uh, dallies are a way of – uh, evaluating diseases in populations that uh, impact the healthy life of people. So that if your um, life expectancy, let's say, is 100 years, but the last 10 years of that, you're in a wheelchair, um, those are disability-affected life years. And so the Interesting thing of using that for um, applying it to indoor air quality is that there are a lot of issues um, which have been shown to um, to affect people's health from things that are floating around in the air. Um, the European Union uh, estimated by things like uh, cardiovascular diseases, lung cancer, asthma, COPD, acute carbon monoxide intoxication, that 
the burden of disease using daily measurements is equal to 2,129,000 years. And so if we can reduce that, then we can actually uh, start to say, well, if the solution to pollution is dilution distribution, um, then we are actually changing the air in the house and we can reduce the number of intoxicants and we can help people live out their, uh, their pres predicted life years healthy, in a healthy way. That's that's a really really interesting way of of thinking about it. I think, and and Nick, this is a concept that I was unfamiliar with before this episode. Is this something that that you've discussed before or thought about before uh, before having this conversation with Paul? Well, it, it certainly is. I think Bali is 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 something that we need to take more seriously because Lawrence Berkeley Lab has been able to mathematically calculate um, expectation of life. Uh, based on exposure levels of of different chemicals that we live in, uh, you know, I I, I think about um, my upbringing. Um, I literally remember the day um, or a day where uh, I went out for a family trip somewhere uh, in my dad's uh, Impala, 1972 uh, Pontiac Impala, uh, with no air conditioning. Um, uh, vinyl seats and the windows closed all the way up because it was very, very hot. Um, as my two parents uh, smoked in the front seat, uh, as we followed a car that was burning leaded fuel. So <laughs> um, I say to myself, uh, how has that impacted my life today? Um, and more importantly, how will that impact my life uh, 10 years from now or, or, or 20 years from now? And, and like the cigarette smoking I alluded to um, a little earlier in, in episode one, where uh, we don't know the impact of a nano exposure to uh, something external, uh, but we do know that the cumulative impacts of these nano exposures um, will force us to uh, live with disability and die young. So the example with cigarette smoking and and God bless her, her her soul. My aunt would smoke a pack of cigarettes a day ever since I remember myself as being six years old. Um, and then, of course, you know, she lived with disability, walking around with uh, with these oxygen tanks. And, and you know, unfortunately, she did pass away young. Um, and, and, and that's, an, you know, a, a very blatant example. But we know that exposure to secondhand smoke, thirdhand smoke, uh, acrolein, carbon monoxide, uh, these are all chemicals that we know from DALI and from the work that Lawrence Berkeley had conducted that, yes, there is a negative impact moving forward. And this is definitely something that we started looking at um, in our content as we explained to people the criticality behind uh, ventilation. But in talking with Paul, it, it's certainly been percolated up to um, uh, our mainstream content as we uh, as as we market the product, trying to explain why minimum ventilation code is just that minimum, um, and uh, we need to look at increased ventilation um, for what we will label as a high performing uh, home, and 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 that's something um, that's critical as we uh, as we move forward. 
So, Paul, give us an illustration a little bit more of how Dally works. Um, I know that you have a story that you want to share with us. And so kind of walk us through this story and, and illustrate this in a little bit more depth for us. Okay, so I invented this character because I'm a writer. I can do that kind of stuff. Um, character is called Rufus, and he's 42 years old. He's uh, an insulation contractor. His health is uh, generally good at the moment. Um, so how many years can we expect him to live? Um, back to that gruesome thought. Um, there is a website you can go to that you can actually plug in your ad address and it will tell you um, what the average uh, life expectancy for your address is. Um, I happen to uh, plug in 53597. Um, is that somewhere near you there, Nick? Yes, it is. That's exactly where I'm at right now. Um, and the life, ex if he lived there, his life expectancy would be 79.4 years. Um, so that's where we, we want him to live there. The national average is 77.3 years. I put this on in my latest newsletter, and I had a response from a, a woman who said that uh, she was glad to see that she had lived 10 years beyond the life expectancy. She was 91. <laughs> She's a very, very nice lady, but she said she was bored. Um, so I suggested she take up an instrument. Um, so Rufus, you know, there's a lot of things that have affected uh, Rufus's life, just like Nick was talking about. Um, and all that stuff, believe it or not, there's a name for it. It's the exposome. Um, and it's the provides a holistic view of human health and disease. And it includes exposures from diets and lifestyles and behaviors. I first heard the term on a lecture about carpeting, uh, which was pretty fascinating. Um, and so Rufus has been exposed to all that stuff in his life. Um, the uh, exposure of diseases uh, that he's been exposed to, as Nick mentioned, smoking, um, as well as all the other stuff that comes along. It's very difficult to know uh, how ventilation may have affected his life. Um, there may have been bathroom fans in his house. There may have been a kitchen range hood. Um, and who knows if they were ever used. Um, many of the pollutants he's been breathing over the last 42 years, um, there was probably mold on his windowsills and uh, rodents in his attic. Um, and that's all part of Rufus's exposome. Um, so how that fits into Dally's is basically that um, the top pollutants like acrolein and formaldehyde and ozone and PM 2.5 and secondhand smoke, uh, radon, there are numbers that have Dally's related to all those. So um, like 46 life valleys lost for 100,000 with acrolein and 47 with formaldehyde. And so you can actually start pinning down 
all those aspects that uh, have been affecting Rufus's life over the years. So what I wanted to do was I get tired of people telling me that um, you can't put in mechanical ventilation because it costs money. You know, and, and my first first response to that is, well, windows cost money too. <laughs> so you're not going to live in a house without windows, right? I mean, there's a cost there. And so you are spending it because you want to have a window. Um, people don't really understand why they should want to have uh, ventilation, but um, I think we can uh, monetize the effect of the dallies uh, so that then we can prove that ventilation not only um, is not a cost, but an asset in the house. I, I think that's an interesting point to bring up, right, is that is that it's often – you know, maybe thought of as a cost, right? But but talking about it as an asset is, is a is a shift in thinking, right? Nick, Nick, do you see it that way, or maybe it's a shift in thinking for a lot of the public or a greater swath of the public than maybe we realize that rather than seeing it as a cost, it's a it's an asset over the long term. Is is that as revolutionary as maybe I'm making it out to be? No, it it, it is. Um, it is an asset because it does save you money. Uh, people are very uh, myopic looking at ventilation. The first thing that comes to mind is that it's very expensive to heat and very expensive to cool and, and dehumidify, particularly, particularly if you're in, in Minneapolis or conversely in, in, in Miami. Um, so it is an asset because it does save you money after you know whatever the number may be, um, without a doubt. More importantly, um, is it an asset because it can improve your lifespan? How much are you willing to pay for that? Prior to where we are today, um, like for me, uh, where it was okay for me to sit in the backseat of my 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 father's Impala, uh, today uh, kids won't stand for that. We live in a whole food society. And because we live in a whole food society, we care about what we take in today because of what's going to happen tomorrow you know, meaning 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Um, so so if there is a device that could improve your life, like going to exercise, is a gym membership an asset? Yes, because you're improving your life. You're becoming more healthy. Um, is ventilation an asset? Yes, because you're improving your life and being healthy as well. So I do agree with that percent. That was really, really good. So Paul, keep keep talking a little bit about um, that idea of of ventilation rather than it being a, a cost is being seen as an asset. Uh, flesh that out in a little bit more detail. And and I, I don't know I don't know if there's more that you can uh, expound on with Rufus in that example. But uh, but yeah, keep going with the with this idea of it as an asset. If we agree that ventilation can dilute the pollutants, which I think we all can do. A uh, conservative estimate is the outdoor air is about 75% less polluted than the indoor air. If it wasn't, then none of these ventilation strategies uh, would be very meaningful since our source of new air is outdoor air. So we want to get to a point where we can set up our ventilation system for about 0.35 air changes per hour. I mean, that's one one number. It could be different. So lost productivity costs employers about $1,600 a year per person. 
Um, so it works out to productivity in the U.S. at about $34 an hour. And so if you take um, the 75% and you multiply it by 0.35, uh, it comes out to 26.25%. Um, and if we multiply that times the lost productivity, it works out to $422 per person per year. And so if there are two people living in the house, it's like $844 in savings per year um, in a reduction of lost productivity, right? And so your ventilation systems, Nick, I mean, $844 a year because they have the system in their house, pays for itself pretty fast overall. Yeah, you're right. Four years is wrong. It's half that. It's like in two years. Um, and so Rufus could then, if we did that, he could live for his uh, full 79.4 years um, and be healthy. I'd like to add something to our friend Rufus and the criticality behind that. And, and I, I'd like to familiarize people with what Rufus is exposed to, what we are all exposed to. When we're looking at, at, at DALI, the chemicals that they're identifying, uh, like I said earlier, PM 2.5, secondhand smoke, but then you've got other gases like radon, uh, formaldehyde that we know is there, acrolein that we know is there, ozone, it's all over the place, uh, carbon dioxide, sorry, um, uh, nitrogen dioxide or, or, or NOx in general. Uh, you've got ammonia, we know ammonia is all over the place, acetaldehyde, you've got styrene, dichloroethane, uh, uh, ethylene, I should say. You know, it kind of like sounds very complex and very complicated, like, oh, I don't have any of that stuff in my house. Well, yeah, you do, because it's used in perfumes, it's used in dyes, it's used in lacquers, it's used in thermoplastics, we've got plastics all over the place. So we are exposed to these gases, whether you realize it or not, or whether you can actually pronounce some of these words or not. And, and, and these exposures will impact your life um, with, if, if you don't have it under control. And, and ventilation is paramount in having these under control in order to lower the steady state concentration you have in your home because they're constantly going to be attacking you, meaning they're constantly bombarding the space. And unless you bring down that steady state concentration, you will be impacted by DALI. No ands, ifs, or buts. Um, the question is by how many years with that? And um, I have a, a, a closing statement that came from Lawrence Berkeley Lab that I'd like to share with you uh, at the end. I love that. I love that. And I, I can't wait to hear it. Paul, what kind of final bows would you like to tie on this three-episode series? Because it strikes me as a really interesting and and thought-provoking progression to go from talking about, you know, sick building syndrome in episode one to talking about how to ventilate correctly uh, for residential applications in episode two to now really talking about the long-term effects of correctly ventilating and the, the, 
the asset that, that ventilation can really be to your long-term livelihood and health. And so I think this is a really good and interesting progression that we've taken across these three episodes. How would you tie this up and, and really summarize kind of the importance of everything we've talked about across these three episodes? Well, I'm really glad you suggested that, uh, Tyler. I think I have multiple hats that I wear. <laughs> And when I look at things that can kill people in houses, I think of the fodder for novels. Um, it's a, a little bit different than uh, the other things. Um, I think that um, it, the transformational thinking about designing the ventilation system based on the uh, uses of the rooms um, and then the um, actual uh again i mean i think nick you're being kind that it you know we're talking about um the general public being interested in the savings but um i think people in the industry don't really appreciate how much uh the health aspect savings of ventilation i think we're still talking about uh energy costs um and i think it would be interesting for um each of the our listeners to uh, think back over the past year and think of how many days of productivity they lost. <laughs> um, they may be at home, but they may not be well. Um, and how does their ventilation system impact that? Are they actually using their ventilation? Are they using uh, their range hood or their bath fan? It's a lot. It's a lot of excellent food for thought that that you've given us on these across these three episodes, Paul. And so that um, I, that I think is a really good summary of things and a good way to kind of tie things in a bow and leave people with a lot of things to to consider and to think about for themselves. I think as we as we go on from these episodes, um, Nick, uh, you had some final thoughts and uh, and a quotation you wanted to give us before we signed off today. Absolutely, I think we presented a lot of information here, um, foundationally. It's all about ventilation. And, and the example of Rufus, uh, which is technically all of us, um, should be eye-opening for people. And we need to reevaluate um, what it means to install a balanced energy recovery ventilation system. And, and if you don't understand the fact that um, there's a payback and it doesn't actually cost you anything. In fact, it benefits you. Here's just one example. Installing a $10,000 granite countertop will do nothing for your life. It's nice to look at, but it will wear down. Installing an ERV that might cost you $1,500 will definitely give you prolonged life, will definitely offer you something that lasts for the entire lifespan of the uh, of the home's use, if not minimum 20, uh, 25 years. So when we look at ventilation um, and we look at all of the information that we that we presented and uh, I cited Lawrence Berkeley National Lab um, throughout the uh, the uh, the entire series here, uh, I'd like to close out with a statement or a study conclusion that came out of this 2019 report from the Indoor Environmental Group at the uh, um, 
at Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. And it was a study that was based on ventilation rates in healthy homes. And this is what they came up with as the criticality behind increased ventilation or more importantly, balanced ventilation. And it's this, overall, the number of reported statistically significant improvements in health with increased ventilation rates far exceeded the anticipated chance improvements in health. So what does that mean? That means that increased ventilation rates will be more important and offer a healthier life and outcome than chance improvements in health, meaning that going to the gym, eating healthier, taking vitamins. That's what that means. Now, am I saying stop going to the gym, stop eating healthier and start eating French fries every single day uh, or stop taking your vitamins? No, go to the gym, eat vegetables, and yes, take your vitamins, but add ventilation as part of that curriculum because science, empirical evidence, whether it's here at national at national labs or whether it's at national labs in Europe, in the Middle East or in Asia, all come up with the same conclusion. And if you want to achieve everything that Paul is alluding to, and there's so many other benefits as well, um, test scores in schools for, for SAT test scores for children improve as much as 18% uh, with better indoor air quality. We know for a fact that lowering carbon dioxide concentration in your bedroom, meaning the CO2 you sleep in the night before impacts cognitive decision-making abilities and physical abilities as well, just the day after. So we know that ventilation is life and it's critical that we all start realizing that. And when we look at a home on a renovation or when we look at a home uh, for a new construction, you know, if you just take that four and a half foot hallway and make it maybe only four feet, you just paid for the cost of a ERV uh, that would be installed in your house that can give you everything we just talked about. It's a no brainer, but it will improve everything in your life. It really does seem like a no brainer when you put it that way, Nick. And, and really, like when you talk about going to the gym, taking vitamins, it, part of a holistic approach to, to health and, and uh, a healthy long life, I think, um, if you want to take everything into account, you have to include ventilation and indoor air quality into into your calculus when thinking about how you're taking care of yourself. Um, I think given the the conversation over the last three episodes, I don't know how you don't take ventilation into account when you when you think about those things. And so um, a lot of excellent excellent information from the two of you on these three episodes and uh, and we appreciate you both very much. Appreciate being here. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, it's always a pleasure uh, to conduct these podcasts with you. Uh, Paul, what an honor to be able to present with you. And I look forward to seeing you soon. You're making Thank me you. check. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul has the mustache that we all envy. Um, and uh, and it's been a pleasure having him on these three episodes. Paul, thank you again so much for, for joining us here on these episodes of IAQIQ. Oh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. 
Absolutely. And, and audience, thank you for joining us for this three-episode series. If you missed any of the previous episodes in this series with Paul, make sure to go back and check out those episodes. Like I said, I think they build really nicely on one another, and so you don't want to miss any of the, those episodes. So make sure to go check those out. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to go visit those, as well as visit Paul Raymer's website uh, to learn more about him, to find out more about his books. Uh, you can just Google his name, Paul Raymer, or of course, uh, Salty Air Publishing is where his books are published and you can go there as well. Everyone stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the show. But for this episode and for this series, thank you so much to my guests, Nick Agopian and Paul Raymer for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. 